0: chapter 8 of a distinguished provincial at paris by honoré de balzac translated by ellen marriage this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peerie chapter 8 so two days after the loan was offered so graciously lucien repaid it perhaps life had never seemed so bright to him as at that moment but the touch of self-love in his joy did not escape the delicate sensibility and searching eyes of his friends. "'Anyone might think that you were afraid to owe us anything,' exclaimed Fulgence. "'Oh, the pleasure that he takes in returning the money is a very serious symptom to my mind,' said Michel Christian. "'It confirms some observations of my own. There is a spice of vanity in Lucien.' he is a poet said d'arthez but do you grudge me such a very natural feeling asked lucien we should bear in mind that he did not hide it said leon giraud he is still open with us but i am afraid that he may come to feel shy of us and why lucien asked we can read your thoughts answered joseph bridau there is a diabolical spirit in you that will seek to justify courses which are utterly contrary to our principles instead of being a sophist in theory you will be a sophist in practice ah uh, i am afraid of that said d'arthez you will carry on admirable debates in your own mind lucien and take up a lofty position in theory and end by blameworthy actions you will never be at one with yourself what ground have you for these charges?" "'Thy vanity, dear poet, is so great that it intrudes itself even into thy friendships,' cried Fulgence. All vanity of that sort is a symptom of shocking egoism, and egoism poisons friendship." "'Oh, dear,' said Lucien, "'you cannot know how much I love you all.' "'If you loved us as we love you, would you have been in such a hurry to return the money which we had such pleasure in lending or have made so much of it we don't lend here we give said joseph bridau roughly don't think us unkind dear boy said michel christian we are looking forward we are afraid lest some day you may prefer a petty revenge to the joys of pure friendship read goethe's the great master's greatest work and you will see how the poet hero loved gorgeous stuffs and banquets and triumph and applause very well be tasso without his folly perhaps the world and its pleasures tempt you stay with us carry all the cravings of vanity into the world of imagination transpose folly keep virtue for daily wear and let imagination run riot instead of doing as d'arthez says thinking high thoughts and living beneath them lucien hung his head his friends were right i confess that you are stronger than i he said with a charming glance at them my back and shoulders are not made to bear the burden of paris life i cannot struggle bravely we are born with different temperaments and faculties, and you know better than I that faults and virtues have their reverse side. I am tired already, I confess." "'We will stand by you,' said d'Arthez. It is just in these ways that a faithful friendship is of use. The help that I have just received is precarious, and every one of us is just as poor as another. Want will soon overtake me again. Christian, at the service of the first that hires him can do nothing with the publishers bianchon is quite out of it d'arthez's booksellers only deal in scientific and technical books they have no connection with publishers of new literature and as for horace and fulgence ridal and bridau their work lies miles away from the booksellers there is no help for it i must make up my mind one way or another stick by us and make up your mind to it said bianchon bear up bravely and trust in hard work but what is hardship for you is death for me lucien put in quickly before the cock crows thrice smiled leon giraud this man will betray the cause of work for an idle life and the vices of paris where has work brought you asked lucien laughing when you start out from paris for italy you don't find rome halfway said joseph bridau you want your peas to grow ready buttered for you the conversation ended in a joke and they changed the subject lucien's friends with their perspicacity and delicacy of heart tried to efface the memory of the little quarrel but lucien knew thenceforward that it was no easy matter to deceive them he soon fell into despair which he was careful to hide from such stern mentors as he imagined them to be and the southern temper that runs so easily through the whole gamut of mental dispositions set him making the most contradictory resolutions again and again he talked of making the plunge into journalism and time after time did his friend's reply with a mind you do nothing of the sort it would be the tomb of the beautiful gracious lucien whom we love and know said d'arthez you would not hold out for long between the two extremes of toil and pleasure which make up a journalist's life and resistance is the very foundation of virtue you would be so delighted to exercise your power of life and death over the offspring of the brain that you would be an out-and-out journalist in two months time to be a journalist that is to turn herod in the republic of letters the man who will say anything will end by sticking at nothing that was napoleon's maxim and it explains itself but you would be with me would you not asked lucien not by that time said fulgence if you were a journalist you would no more think of us than the opera girl in all her glory with her adorers and her silk-lined carriage thinks of the village at home and her cows and her sabots you could never resist the temptation to pen a witticism though it should bring tears to a friend's eyes i come across journalists in theatre lobbies it makes me shudder to see them journalism is an inferno a bottomless pit of iniquity and treachery and lies no one can traverse it undefiled unless like dante he is protected by virgil's sacred laurel but the more the set of friends opposed the idea of journalism the more lucien's desire to know its perils grew and tempted him he began to debate within his own mind was it not ridiculous to allow want to find him a second time defenceless he bethought him of the failure of his attempts to dispose of his first novel, and felt but little tempted to begin a second. How besides was he to live while he was writing another romance? One month of privation had exhausted his stock of patience. Why should he not do nobly that which journalists did ignobly and without principle? his friends insulted him with their doubts he would convince them of his strength of mind some day perhaps he would be of use to them he would be the herald of their fame and what sort of friendship is it which recoils from complicity demanded he one evening of michel chrestien lucien and leon giraud were walking home with their friend we shrink from nothing michel chrestien made reply if you were so unlucky as to kill your mistress i would help you to hide your crime and could still respect you but if you were to turn spy i should shun you with abhorrence for a spy is systematically shameless and base there you have journalism summed up in a sentence friendship can pardon error and the hasty impulse of passion it is bound to be inexorable when a man deliberately traffics in his own soul and intellect and opinions why cannot i turn journalist to sell my volume of poetry and the novel and then give up at once machiavelli might do so but not lucien de rubempre said leon jureau very well exclaimed lucien i will show you that i can do as much as machiavelli oh cried michel grasping leon's hand you have done it leon lucien he continued you have three hundred francs in hand you can live comfortably for three months very well then work hard and write another romance d'arthez and fulgence will help you with the plot you will improve you will be a novelist and i meanwhile will enter one of those Lupainers of thought for three months i will be a journalist i will sell your books to some bookseller or other by attacking his publications i will write the articles myself i will get others for you we will organize a success you shall be a great man and still remain our lucien you must despise me very much if you think that i should perish while you escape said the poet oh lord forgive him it is a child cried michel Christian when lucien's intellect had been stimulated by the evening spent in d'arthez's garret he had made some study of the jokes and articles in the smaller newspapers he was at least the equal he felt of the wittiest contributors in private he tried some mental gymnastics of the kind and went out one morning with the triumphant idea of finding some colonel of such light skirmishers of the press and enlisting in their ranks he dressed in his best and crossed the bridges thinking as he went that authors journalists and men of letters his future comrades in short would show him rather more kindness and disinterestedness than the two species of booksellers who had so dashed his hopes he should meet with fellow-feeling and something of the kindly and grateful affection which he found in the sénacle of the rue des quatre vents tormented by emotion consequent upon the presentiments to which men of imagination cling so fondly half believing half battling with their belief in him he arrived in the rue saint fiacre off the boulevard montmartre before a house occupied by the offices of a small newspaper he stopped and at the sight of it his heart began to throb as heavily as the pulses of a youth upon the threshold of some evil haunt nevertheless upstairs he went and found the offices in the low entresol between the ground-floor and the first story the first room was divided down the middle by a partition the lower half of solid wood the upper lattice-work to the ceiling in this apartment lucien discovered a one-armed pensioner supporting several reams of paper on his head with his remaining hand while between his teeth he held the pass-book which the inland revenue department requires every newspaper to produce with each issue this ill-favored individual owner of a yellow countenance covered with red excrescences to which he owed his nickname of colloquent indicated a personage behind the lattice as the cerberus of the paper this was an elderly officer with a medal on his chest and a silk skull-cap on his head his nose was almost hidden by a pair of grizzled moustaches and his person was hidden as completely in an ample blue overcoat as the body of the turtle in its carapace from what date do you wish your subscription to commence sir inquired the emperor's officer i did not come about a subscription returned lucien looking about him he saw a placard fastened on a door corresponding to the one by which he had entered and read the words Editor's office and below in smaller letters no admittance except on business a Complaint I expect replied the veteran ah yes, we have been hard on Mariette What would you have I don't know the why and wherefore of it yet, but if you want satisfaction I am ready for you he added glancing at a collection of small arms and foils stacked in a corner the armory of the modern warrior that was still further from my intention, sir. I have come to speak to the editor. Nobody is ever here before four o'clock. Look you here, Judo, old chap, remarked a voice. I make it eleven columns. Eleven columns at five francs apiece is fifty-five francs, and I have only been paid forty, so you owe me another fifteen francs, as I have been telling you these words proceeded from a little weasel face pallid and semi-transparent as the half-boiled white of an egg two slits of eyes looked out of it mild blue in tint but appallingly malignant in expression and the owner an insignificant young man was completely hidden by the veteran's opaque person it was a blood-curdling voice a sound between the mewing of a cat and the wheezy chokings of a hyena yes yes my little militiaman retorted he of the medal but you are counting the headings and white lines i have finot's instructions to add up the totals of the lines and to divide them by the proper number for each column and after i performed that concentrating operation on your copy there were three columns less he doesn't pay for the blanks the jew he reckons them in though when he sends up the total of his work to his partner and he gets paid for them too I will go and see Etienne Lousteau Vernoux. I cannot go beyond my orders, my boy, said the veteran. What, do you cry out against your foster mother for a matter of fifteen francs? You that turn out an article as easily as I smoke a cigar. Fifteen francs! Why, you will give a bowl of punch to your friends, or win an extra game of billiards, and there's an end of it. Finot's savings will cost him very dear said the contributor as he took his departure now would not anybody think that he was rousseau and voltaire rolled in one the cashier remarked to himself as he glanced at lucien i will come in again at four sir said lucien while the argument proceeded lucien had been looking about him he saw upon the walls the portraits of benjamin Constant general foy and the seventeen illustrious orators of the left interspersed with caricatures at the expense of the government but he looked more particularly at the door of the sanctuary where no doubt the paper was elaborated the witty paper that amused him daily and enjoyed the privilege of ridiculing kings and the most portentous events of calling anything and everything in question with a jest then he sauntered along the boulevards it was an entirely novel amusement, and so agreeable did he find it that, looking at the turret-clocks, he saw the hour-hands were pointing to four, and only then remembered that he had not breakfasted. He went at once in the direction of the Rue Saint-Fiacre, climbed the stair, and opened the door. The veteran officer was absent, but the old pensioner, sitting on a pile of stamped papers, was munching a crust and acting as sentinel resignedly colloquente was as much accustomed to his work in the office as to the fatigue duty of former days understanding as much or as little about it as the why and wherefore of forced marches made by the emperor's orders lucien was inspired with the bold idea of deceiving that formidable functionary he settled his hat on his head and walked into the editor's office as if he were quite at home looking eagerly about him he beheld a round table covered with a green cloth and half a dozen cherry-wood chairs newly reseated with straw the colored brick floor had not been waxed but it was clean so clean that the public evidently seldom entered the room there was a mirror above the chimney-piece and on the ledge below amid a sprinkling of visiting cards stood a shopkeeper's clock smothered with dust and a couple of candlesticks with tallow-dips thrust into their sockets. A few antique newspapers lay on the table beside an inkstand containing some black lacquer-like substance, and a collection of quill-pens twisted into stars. Sundry, dirty scraps of paper, covered with almost undecipherable hieroglyphs, proved to be manuscript articles torn across the top by the compositor to check off the sheets as they were set up he admired a few rather clever caricatures sketched on bits of brown paper by somebody who evidently had tried to kill time by killing something else to keep his hand in other works of art were pinned in the cheap sea-green wallpaper. these consisted of nine pen-and-ink illustrations for le solitaire the work had attained to such an unheard-of european popularity that journalists evidently were tired of it the solitary makes his first appearance in the provinces sensation among the women the solitary perused at a chateau effect of the solitary on domestic animals the solitary explained to savage tribes with the most brilliant results the solitary translated into chinese and presented by the author to the emperor at peking the mont sauvage rape of elodie lucien thought this caricature very shocking but he could not help laughing at it the solitary under a canopy conducted in triumphal procession by the newspapers the solitary breaks the press to splinters and wounds the printers Read backwards the superior beauties of the solitary produce a sensation at the académie on a newspaper wrapper lucien noticed a sketch of a contributor holding out his hat and beneath it the words finot my hundred francs and a name since grown more notorious than famous between the window and the chimney-piece stood a writing-table a mahogany arm-chair and a waste-paper basket on a strip of hearth-rug the dust lay thick on all these objects there were short curtains in the windows about a score of new books lay on the writing-table deposited there apparently during the day together with prints music snuff-boxes of the charter pattern a copy of the ninth edition of le solitaire the great joke of the moment and some ten unopened letters lucien had taken stock of this strange furniture and made reflections of the most exhaustive kind upon it when the clock striking five he returned to question the pensioner. Goloquent had finished his crust and was waiting, with the patience of a commissionaire, for the man of medals, who perhaps was taking an airing on the boulevard. At this conjuncture, the rustle of a dress sounded on the stair, and the light, unmistakable footstep of a woman on the threshold. The newcomer was passably pretty. She addressed herself to Lucien. "'Sir,' she said, i know why you cry up Mademoiselle virginie's hats so much and i have come to put down my name for a year's subscription in the first place but tell me your conditions i am not connected with the paper madame oh a subscription dating from october inquired the pensioner what does the lady want to know asked the veteran reappearing on the scene the fair milliner and the retired military man were soon deep in converse and when lucien beginning to lose patience came back to the first room he heard the conclusion of the matter why i shall be delighted quite delighted sir mademoiselle florentine can come to my shop and choose anything she likes ribbons are in my department so it is all quite settled you will say no more about virginie a botcher that cannot design a new shape while i have ideas of my own i have lucien heard a sound as of coins dropping into a cash-box and the veteran began to make up his books for the day i have been waiting here for an hour sir lucien began looking not a little annoyed and they have not come yet exclaimed napoleon's veteran civilly feigning concern i am not surprised at that it is some time since i have seen them here it is the middle of the month you see those fine fellows only turn up on pay-days the twenty-ninth or the thirtieth and monsieur finot asked lucien having caught the editor's name he is in the rue Feydeau. that's where he lives Coloquent old chap just take him everything that has come in to-day when you go with the paper to the printers where is the newspaper put together lucien said to himself the newspaper repeated the officer as he received the rest of the stamp money from Coloquent. the newspaper <laughs> mind you are round at the printer's by six o'clock to-morrow old chap to send off the porters the newspaper sir is written in the street at the writers houses in the printing office between eleven and twelve o'clock at night in the emperor's time sir these shops for spoiled paper were not known oh he would have cleared them out with four men and a corporal they would not have come over him with their talk but that is enough of prattling if my nephew finds it worth his while and so long as they write for the son of the other <laughs> after all there is no harm in that Yeah. by the way subscribers don't seem to me to be advancing in serried columns i shall leave my post you seem to know all about the newspaper, sir lucien began from a business point of view <laughs> coughed the soldier clearing his throat from three to five francs per column according to ability fifty lines to a column forty letters to a line no blanks there you are as for the staff they are queer fish little youngsters whom i wouldn't take on for the commissariat and because they make fly-tracks on sheets of white paper they look down forsooth on an old captain of dragoons of the guard that retired with a major's rank after entering every european capital with napoleon the soldier of napoleon brushed his coat and made as if he would go out but lucien swept to the door had courage enough to make a stand i came to be a contributor of the paper he said i am full of respect i vow and declare for a captain of the imperial guard those men of bronze well said my little civilian there are several kinds of contributors which kind do you wish to be replied the trooper bearing down on lucien and descending the stairs at the foot of the flight he stopped but it was only to light a cigar at the porter's box if any subscribers come you see them and take note of them mother cholet simply subscribers never know anything but subscribers he added seeing that lucien followed him finot is my nephew he is the only one of my family that has done anything to relieve me in my position so when anybody comes to pick a quarrel with finot he finds old giroudeau captain of the dragoons of the guard that set out as a private in a cavalry regiment in the army of the Sambre-Meuse, and was fencing-master for five years to the first hussars army of italy one two and the man that had any complaints to make would be turned off into the dark he added making a lunge now writers my boy are in different corps there is the writer who writes and draws his pay, there is the writer who writes and gets nothing, a volunteer we call him, and lastly there is the writer who writes nothing, and he is by no means the stupidest, for he makes no mistakes. He gives himself out for a literary man, he is on the paper, he treats us to dinners, he loaths about the theatres, he keeps an actress, he is very well off. What do you mean to be? the man that does good work and gets good pay you are like the recruits they all want to be marshals of france take old giraudot's word for it and turn right around in double quick time and go and pick up nails in the gutter like that good fellow yonder you can tell by the look of him that he has been in the army isn't it a shame that an old soldier who has walked into the jaws of death hundreds of times should be picking up old iron in the streets of paris ah oh, god almighty it was a shabby trick to desert the emperor well my boy the individual you saw this morning has made his forty francs a month are you going to do better and according to finot he is the cleverest man on the staff when you enlisted in the sombre meuse did they talk about danger rather very well very well go and see my nephew finot a good fellow as good a fellow as you will find if you can find him that is for he is like a fish always on the move in his way of business there is no writing you see it is setting others to write That sort of like gallivanting about with actresses better than scribbling on sheets of paper it seems oh they are queer customers they are hope i may have the honour of seeing you again with that the cashier raised his formidable loaded cane one of the defenders of germanicus and walked off leaving lucien in the street as much bewildered by this picture of the newspaper world as he had formerly been by the practical aspects of literature at monsieur vidal and porchon's establishment end of chapter 8